All right, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Jeremiah. They said he was a bullfrog. This Jeremiah wasn't no bullfrog. He was a prophet, strong, grounded in the Word of God. Did he have troubles? You mark it down. He had troubles. The more you do for God and the closer you are to God, the rougher it gets. Trust me. You know, you go to buy sandpaper. You say, hey, I, I want to buy some sandpaper. They want to know what grit you want. You want it real rough? You want it real fine? You want it in the middle? Well, sometimes I just want a feel of it, you know. And you mark it down. The closer you get to God, the tougher it is. The tougher it is, listen, the stronger you will be in the Lord. Hello, somebody give me something. Y'all bomb. I know y'all been there. It's okay to speak out in here, okay? If you don't agree, say, oh, me. It's okay. I not, may not change, but uh, that's the way it'll be. Jeremiah 29. We're going to read verse 1, and then we're going to skip to verse 4 through 14. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away prisoners, captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now that lets us know that what's about to take place. He's, he's sending a letter to these people who trusted God, who all of a sudden, they became prisoners. Beginning with verse 4. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Now, God is fixing to speak, okay? From here on is what God has to say. Unto all that are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be, and notice that, I underline that word caused, who I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captive. And listen to what he says. And pray unto the Lord with all capital letters. Pray to the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof, Shall ye have peace? For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you 
in my name. I have not sent them. Notice that. God says, I did not send them into your midst, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, that ye seek, seek, that ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from the places whether I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Father, I pray that you would help us not to be afraid. Your word says if we are ashamed of you in this crooked world, that you will be ashamed of us. God, help us to not be ashamed of you, to be able to share your gospel wherever we go and to love people and to, and to settle our issues that, that we can and, and accept those that we can't. And Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, what does this have to do with us? 2018 is just about to be over with. And we have seen a lot of changes in our nation. We've seen a lot of changes in our county. We've seen a lot of changes in our church. So what does it have to do with with us. I'm going to tell you. I want you to listen. Some of us are dealing with a lot of issues. I may tell you this again, but Lynn and I deal with issues every day. You see, you as an individual, maybe you don't have but just your issues, okay? But I have all of these issues. And I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. I am your pastor, okay? I want to be more than just your Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night preacher. I'm your pastor. I'm the person that you can come to confidently that it's not going to go any further to share your issues. You can't bear these things by yourself. Listen, some of us have family issues such as aging parents. Lynn and I have already been through that. My mother was the first to go with cancer. My daddy-in-law was the second to go with a stroke, cancer, and then a heart attack. My daddy was the second to go, third one to go with a heart attack. And then Lynn's mother with congestive heart failure. All four of these we helped look after. I wasn't present when my, my mother passed, but Lynn was with her. Lynn wasn't with her mother when she passed, but I was with her. We shared those issues. I try to tell young couples, you listen. When you get married, 
You marrying not only that sweet thing or that hunk, you marrying the entire clan. Well, I don't like him. Well, you better get it settled before you say I do because the rat is always present. And you know how, I listen, we're trying to get our camper cleaned up and straightened up and a new floor and this, that, and other, but there's a, a cotton-picking mouse keeps terrorizing me. And I mean, I'm doing something, and here he'll go. And I'm thinking, I'm, you, you're gonna, you are going to die. I went and bought sticky traps, and I put it here, and I put it there. Nothing. Okay. I got me a rat trap, and I put some cheese on it. Buried it in there good, and I set it. Went back in there the next morning. The cheese is gone. The trap ain't knocked. Thinking, yeah, he has got to be a hard-headed Baptist mouse. <laughs> so, I said the cheese was too soft. I baited her up again, and I set it in the hot blistering sunshine. And it dried. I put it back in there. Ha-ha, the little fat sucker, I got him. Ha. <laughs> But he had terrorized, he had took over the camper. He had left his card everywhere. <laughs> that bothers Lynn, that tires her nerves up to know you got a mouse in the house. Family issues. Some of you right now, you're dealing with aging parents. You're, you're trying to decide, what do I do next? How do I handle this next? What's the next stage? What's coming? Let me tell you something. God Almighty knows and God said, honor your mother and your daddy if you want to live a long time. Some of you are dealing with aging parents. Some of you are dealing with with, uh, family members you can't get along with. You know, in our family, we're dealing with, trying to deal with, with Lynn's baby brother. There's 12 years difference in those two. I was dating Lynn when he was born. Yeah, she was 12 years old. We could not leave the house. She changed his diaper. She did everything for him. She fed him. She loved him. She took care of him. And when he got where he could travel... Lynn was about 16 then, and we were able to leave the house. Here he was. We'd go to movies. Here he was. If he didn't go out with us, he would tell me before we went off on the date, he said, I'm going home spending the night with you tonight. I said, okay, you have your stuff packed, and you can go home with me. Now, we'd come in from our date, had to be home at 11 o'clock. I didn't say 11.01, I said 11 o'clock, sharp, no excuse. He'd be dead to the world on the couch. I'd pick him up in his bag, I'd put him in the car, I'd drive home, I'd pick him up, I'd take him in my room, I'd put him in the bed, and the next morning he was up, and me and him was off and about and doing things. All the way up until Mama passed away. He hasn't spoken. He hasn't been in touch with Lynn since that day. 
We've tried everything. So I told Lynn, I said, look, you, you can't do anything. You've done, done it all. You've wrote him. You've called him. You've invited him. He will not respond. His wife died with cancer, buried. We didn't even know it. Completely withdrawn himself from the family. He's never seen Caleb's three babies. He's the uncle. Never seen him. What do you do? The only hope, the only thing we can do now is pray. And every morning his name in our house is called. Every morning because Lynn dearly loves him. Some of us, some of you are dealing with members of your family you can't get along with. I'll tell you another issue that's really terrorizing some families, and that is dividing the inheritance. Mom and daddy's gone. They've left all this stuff. Who gets what? And it's just simply ridiculous. Listen, if you don't have an active will, you need to get one. I don't care if you ain't got nothing but one old car. Maybe you ain't got nothing but one old pocket knife. You need a will that specifies here is what's supposed to happen. If you don't do it, you're going to cause your family a lot of heartache. Issues. Why do we have these issues? We shouldn't. We should be loving one another. You know, I thank God for my sister because my daddy was the last one on that side to leave this world. And I told my sister, I said, you, you come any day next week you want to or whenever, here's the key. And you get any and everything you want out of this house. And when you're done, the rest of it's mine. I'll take what's mine and I'll do what I want to do with it. And she took about a week or two and she'd come about every day. She was retired and got what she wanted. I didn't say you can't have this, you can't have. She got everything she wanted. I called her this morning. She and I are like that. I pray for her every morning. I love her. She's my sister. She's the only sibling I have. Okay? But it, that's the way it's supposed to be, guys. The devil will take these issues and he will turn you wrong side out. He'll have you hating your family to the point you'll want to withdraw away. You know, sometimes the best thing, best way to, what old Barney say, nip it in the bud. Go to that individual, say, I want to talk to you. And set them down and say, I want to tell you how I feel. Say, now you tell me how you feel. Because we need to know how each other feels so we can get this settled. Let me tell you something. I got a funeral this afternoon, Okay. If there was any issues in that family, it's too late to settle them. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you settle issues because that person who you got an issue with may be dead tomorrow. And it'll be too late for you to say, I'm sorry. Whatever I've done, I'm sorry. Issues. There's the death of loved ones you people are dealing with. There's our past. Spouse abuse, stress at work, health issues, 
Lack of love. People don't feel love a lot of times. Attacked by Satan's crowd. Money matters. And like I said, Lynn and I deal with issues every week. All these things are, are some things that, uh, you know, there's some things we can't change. Uh, these, these, these youngins that got taken captive by Babylon, by Nebuchadnezzar, hey, they couldn't change it. They were bound, they were trapped, they were captive, and they were on their way out of their homeland. And, and there was no return, it seemed. But I want you to listen. God has a perfect plan. And when I think about that plan, verse 29, chapter 29, verse 11, God is speaking there. And listen, he says, for I, I know. He didn't say, I think I know, or I hope I know. He said, I know the plans I have for you. I want you to know the plans for you to prosper and have well-being and for disaster that might come your way I got a plan for it. But a lot of times we don't want to accept that plan. Listen, God has blessed me to be able to pastor my own home church. Well, not my home church, but the church where Lynn and I got married, where I was called to preach. I had the privilege of pastoring there seven months as an interim. I left there. I had the privilege of pastoring as an interim at Bethel Baptist Church for five months. I had the privilege of pastoring Earl's Grove Baptist Church for 27 years. I've had the privilege so far, as brother over there in the corner says, so far, almost eight years have passed. I'm a blessed man. I don't deserve what God's plan is and has been for me. But I can see myself right now on the side of my bed in our house in Pierstown. Lord, I don't want to go. I don't want to preach. Why don't you just leave me alone? And then I was almost killed twice, literally, twice. And the last time I said, okay, God, if, if, if you want me that bad, I'll go. But I had no idea what the plan would entail. No idea where he would carry me, where he would send me. But hey, here I am. I'm where I'm supposed to be at this very hour, okay? Somebody says, you pastor in First Baptist Church? I said, I did this morning if it's this afternoon. I mean, hey, I pastored last week. I visited here and I visited there. I pastored last week. You know, it's shocking, y'all. It is shocking if you read the statistics of pastors who are committing suicide. I'm talking about Southern Baptist preachers who are not only committing suicide, but they're walking out on their families. They're walking out on their church. And they're walking out on God. But what they don't realize, the moment they walk through that door walking away, they're walking head on into God because God said, I have a plan for you. Now, if I fail to follow that plan, I of all people going to be in some big trouble when I face God. When I stand before him, 
I can't afford to quit. You know, hey, somebody said, when are you going to quit? When are you going to retire? I do not know. One man said, I would join your church, but as soon as I join, you quit. So come and join, and when I quit, you quit. You know, if you're going to follow me. <laughs> but I don't think none of them's got the nerve and the guts to follow me, okay? I don't think they have. People say, you are crazy. I said, I know that. You're a loony. I said, I know that. Tell me some good points. Well, God's perfect plan. Listen to me real fast. To those with no hope, these people <clears throat> had been taken captive, okay? They had been snatched out of their house. They had left family and friends. They had left all their possessions except what little dab they could scrape up to take with them. They were captive. It was a horrible march from Jerusalem to Babylon. Some died on the way. But they kept on going because they were captive. They felt like, hey, there's no hope. And when Jeremiah found all this out, he began to listen to God and God said, listen, you write this down. This letter's got to get in the hands of them. It's got to get in their hands. It's got to get in there quick because I'm afraid if it don't, some of them is going to begin to commit suicide because they've left everything that they've worked hard for. It's gone. Can you imagine in California? We need to pray for the families that have lost loved ones in the fire. You may have heard more reports than I've heard, but I heard one where they found the man in his car trying to escape the fire. Car was burned, he was still in it, burned to death. I mean, I think it was, am I, am I saying this wrong? Say, raise your hand and say you're wrong, preacher. Over thousands are missing. They don't even know where they are. I can't imagine something like that. These people were taken captive. They were taken away from their family, their friends, their home, their possessions, their houses, and they were taken out. And they had no hope. But listen, they cried out to God, God's perfect plan. He said, I know, I, have, I know the plans I have for you. Well, why am I losing everything? Listen, Lynn and I had lived in our house 12 years, okay? It was a brand new house when we moved into it. We had it built, a brick house, eight rooms. We had a swimming pool. I had just bought extra land. I mean, this, that. I could walk to church. Five miles up the road, Lynn taught school. I had a printing business and a construction crew. I mean, I thought, hey, man, what else can you have? Everything's going great. And then God says, hey, you need to get out of here and leave it all there. Lynn's on her knees, we're packing, and she was crying. On her knees, packing her stuff and crying. I'm thinking, God, if this is your will, you're going to have to fix that because I can't. I'm trying to follow you. And she's brokenhearted over it. I remember the morning I told her, I said, okay, I'm going to tell, tell the committee at Earl's Grove we're not coming. Or she whirled around and she says, we are going. You tell them we're coming. That was before they voted us in, okay? We're coming. We're going. She must have knew something I didn't. I'm going to tell you, I, I brag on her because she's my wife, because she's closer to God than I am. You want something prayed for, tell her. I promise you that she'll ring the bells of heaven with her prayers. Why does she do that? Because she loves God. She loves you, 
and she tolerates me. I, pra I praise God she does. Well, not only with those with no hope, but God's perfect plan is to those with false hope. You remember what he said? Those false prophets are going to come in and going to tell you this ain't going to last about two years. Now, the best thing you do is <clears throat> don't do nothing. When you get over out of Babylon, you just sit down, pretend you're sick, pretend you're, you're ailing, you can't do nothing. It won't last but two years. Just don't pay, don't pay them no attention. Just do what they say. Well, it was false hope because God said in verse 10, he plainly said, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, now they're still there 70 years later, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place where you've been taken away from. I'm going to bring you back, he says. I'm going to put you back where you were. I'm going to give you more than you had. Well, is God going to keep his word? You mark it down. He's always kept his word. He'll continue to keep his word. He said, I want you to build houses. I want you to plant a garden. I want you to have babies. I want you to raise up good, strong men. I want you to raise up good, strong daughters. I want you to see to it your men find a good wife. I want you to give your daughters to a good man. I want you to carry on with life because if you don't, when time comes to go back to Jerusalem, there ain't going to be nobody left in your family to go back. What does that tell us? Bible says, be multi multiply and fill the earth. But as we do that, we're to teach and train our young'uns in the right way to go. So those with, with no hope, those, those with false hope, but then there's also those who have true hope. True hope is based on the revealed word of God and nothing else. I want you to think about something. What if something were to happen to you right now, regardless of the age of your children? Have you taught them enough survival skills and enough of God's word? And have you led them to follow Jesus by accepting Christ and being baptized and joining the church that when you're out of the picture, they're going to carry on your family name? I didn't know but one grandparent, a godly, saintly woman at 92 was living by, staying by herself, cleaning her own yards, doing her own cooking, and she had asthma like I do today, and she'd holler a lot of times in the wintertime. If it was cold, she'd holler out the door, Kenny, you better get something on that head. She loved her grandson, okay? She passed that word of God into my daddy and my daddy into me, me into my boys and me into my grand youngins. I am thankful. I am a blessed man for the heritage that God has given me. Blessed. Well, you know, God, he said, I got a perfect plan for you. I got a set of plans right here. And it is a full, have I got it up right, John? Can you see it? A full set of plans. These plans were drawn up by a certified, educated, licensed architect. It's got his stamp of approval on it. It's got his signature on it. Suppose I adopt these plans, okay? And I walk over to Brother Kenny Jordan and I say, Kenny, I've got five acres of land. I've got $500,000 dollars. And I want this house built exactly like this set of plans calls for. 
Guess what? It ain't going to happen. Because the man that drawed these plans is not perfect. Brother Kenny Jordan is not perfect. These plans have specified measurements on it. Place where every window and every door goes, where every step goes, where every receptacle goes. But guess what? When you and I move in it, it won't be perfect. But God says, I have a plan for you. Listen, God's plan is perfect. You can't beat it. I don't care what you do. I don't care where you go. You will not beat the plan of God that he says. I want to read it to you again. Now this is, uh, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for your well-being, not for disaster to give you, but to give you a future with hope, a future with God. And it's important. Romans 8, 28 says, Everything works to good for God, to those that love him, those who are called according to his purpose. It's a perfect plan. Last of all, God's perfect plan is to those who want to mend broken relationships. Do you? You got to answer that. Yes, I do want it mended, I want it right, or no, I don't want it, and I don't care if it don't never happen. I hope I never cross their path again. Let me tell you something, you're going to cross their path again. It might be at the funeral, but I guarantee you it'll be in eternity somewhere. You want to fix it? If your answer is yes, let me tell you something, it starts with God. It starts with your relationship and my relationship with God Almighty. If I'm not right with God, I cannot be right with you. It starts with accepting Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and it starts with the Holy Ghost of God speaking to your heart and helping you make that relationship what it ought to be. It starts with God, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit of God. And then you get those relationships right, then God will help you with his perfect plan to move into your family where it's disrupted and it will either get fixed or you will get satisfied and you will be at peace, okay? Remember what I said earlier, you can't fix everything. You can't change everything. So you go and you approach and you make it the best you can and let, leave the outcome to God, Okay? I might tell you and call your name. I might say, I'm sorry I said what I said. I'm sorry I've been treating you the way I've been treating you. Please forgive me. All right, I've done what God said do. You might say, listen, I don't care if you never, ever speak to me again. I hope after you leave here is the last breath you'll draw. I will not be at your funeral, and I certainly don't want you at my funeral. Would you just dismiss yourself? You've done your part. The Bible says shake the dirt off of your feet and get out of Dodge. And you don't have to go back. But it's your my responsibility to pray for them. Pray for them. Relationships with our family, sometimes it's tough. Relationship with our friends, sometimes it's tough. When you decide to follow God, let me tell you something. You're more than likely, you're more than likely going to lose friendships with somebody you're going to lose them but who would you rather follow you want to follow your friends or you want to follow God hey I want to follow God I'm sorry hey 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. What did I say? I'm going to. I'm going to follow God. You need to make that statement in your heart and your mind if you can. I am going to follow God. Why? Because in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I know the plans I have for you. I know. God says, I know the plans I have for you. All I want you to do is accept the plan. There it is. Okay? I got the money. I got the land. I got the builder. Well, I'm just afraid I just better not do that. I'll just live in the tent I'm living in. It's got a lot of holes in it. But, and I know winter's coming, but I'll do the best I can. That's hogwash, y'all. God's got the plan, and we need to follow it. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch hearts, touch lives. Lord, only you can change the issues that we face every day. But I pray that you'd help us to realize and know, Lord, you have a plan for us, and that that plan is perfect. Lord, I thank you for Jeremiah, who was bold enough to deliver the message and watch it happen 70 years later. Thank you, Jesus, for your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. I beg